today I want to continue on that topic of the fear of the Lord. And again, you know, last week Eric shared such a great message and he talked about all the benefits of uh, when we have the fear of the Lord. You remember that? Put up all those, those PowerPoint slides and um, if you didn't hear that or you weren't here, I encourage you to please go online and listen. Um, it was a great, great message talking about, you know, everything that, that comes to our life when we walk in the fear of the Lord. And, and I really especially enjoyed hearing him say, he made this, this comment about um, that if we don't get our awe and our wonder from heaven, then we will get it elsewhere. You know, we, we are created to be fascinated. Did you know that? That's why amusement parks are successful. You want to be amazed. You want to be thrilled. You want to be captivated. You want to be fascinated. That You are wired for it. It is in your DNA. And Pastor Eric shared about if we're not getting that from God, if we're not fascinated by Him, we are going to get fascinated with something else. Most of the time we go for inferior stuff, you know, like TV. You know, uh, we'll binge watch something dumb, you know, just because we love the excitement that it kind of helps create in us. Now, I'm not saying you can't watch TV. I'm just saying there are inferior ways that we get this need met. And it's not the way God intended. God wants us fascinated by him. And that was a great point that Eric talked about. And I just, I really appreciated that. And I've been thinking this week about, you know, what, what am I uh, allowing to fascinate my heart that's inferior, that's secondary, that's, that's not God. So I can make those adjustments. I hope, I hope you guys have done that as well and, and are doing that. Well, and, and so, so today, I'm not going to go down that path so much, as today what I really want to do is I, I want to help us discover some areas in our life where we might not be walking in the fear of the Lord. You know, all the places where things aren't working just right, you know, it, it's, it's the, the stuff where we, we keep making the same decisions to, to fix the same problems, and, but we keep trying to get a different result. You know what I'm saying? Right? One of the unofficial definitions of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, but expecting to get a different result. Right? Anybody done that? Amen. Come on. We got to have some reality in here this morning. Anybody ever done that in the youth? Oh my goodness, don't make me get you out of your seats. We all do dumb stuff over and over and over again. We just keep hitting that wall thinking the wall's not really that hard. It's not this time. <laughs> no, it was just as hard as the last time. And my head is not the thing that's going to knock it down very well. Yeah, you just, we amp it up. That's what Americans do. You know, if it doesn't work at first, we keep trying harder. We don't change. We just keep working harder at it, right? It's insanity. We keep doing the same things, keep getting the same results, but we keep think, hoping we're going to get something different. Well, I like to call that, I have a different term for that besides insanity, and I, what I like to call it is I'm stuck on stupid. I get stuck on stupid when I am doing things that I shouldn't be or I'm doing things the same way and it's still broken. So that's the title of my message today. What to do when you're stuck on stupid. I was going to try to do like a Jeff Foxworthy redneck. You might be a redneck if, but I didn't, I just didn't have enough hours this week to make it that cool and funny. But we are going to talk about what does it look like when we are stuck on stupid. What do you do when you're stuck on stupid? Now listen, I know that you got a list of what you think stupid is, what stupid does. I've got my list as well. But today, 
we're going to stick with the Bible. <laughs> not going to get on my soapbox, and you're not going to get on yours. We're going to get on the Bible. There, the, we're going we're gonna to look at what the Bible says is stuck on stupid. And the Bible does call some things stupid. It really does. And today, today I want to reveal what stuck on stupid looks like, and then how do we get unstuck? How do we keep, keep from beating our head into this wall and keep repeating the same sins and problems? Again, you know, we've, we've got to do something different to get something different. Amen? And again, today, remember, I'm just sharing the Bible, all right? These are just not my opinions, so if you get a little, little hurt, a little toe stomped, a little whatever, you know, just take it up with God, because he said these things, not me. I just found them. They're just hidden there in the Bible in lots of places. Really, one book in particular is, just outlines all the beautiful, stupid things you could do in this world and how not to do those things, Amen. So, you know, the Bible is what? It's the inspired word of God, right? It's authoritative. Does it have a right to speak into your life? I hope it does. It's inerrant. There's no problems. There's no flaws. It's not some of the time. It is the Bible. It is truth. And I hope you allow it to touch you today like that. Amen? So let's jump right in. We're just going to go through a long old list, and I encourage you to take notes and write things down. Be a learner of God's word. So let's start with the first one. The Bible says you are stuck on stupid when? We'll just go straight for a big one. <laughs> Boom, right in the face with this, man. You are stuck on stupid if you consume porn or you are having sex outside of marriage. Proverbs 6.25 says, do not desire her beauty in your heart, and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. For the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married woman hunts down a precious life. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes and not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Guess what the answers are. No. How about Proverbs 6.32? He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. How about Proverbs 5, verse 20? Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. If you are consuming porn, and you're having sex outside of marriage, you are stuck on stupid. Because you will not come out untouched. And you may go, well, I'm not, that said a lot about adultery, and I'm not married but who are you looking at that is? You know, one day they're going to be married. One day you're going to be married. Why do you want to wreck everything about your beautiful married sex life just to be stuck on stupid? The Bible says don't do it. Let's just go ahead and get a left. Just clock you with the left one here. The Bible says you are stuck on stupid if you abuse drugs and alcohol. Everybody smile. Proverbs 23 speaks to this. In verse 29. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine, 
Do not gaze at wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Listen. If you make a habit of overindulging in your Christian liberty of drinking alcohol, you're stuck on stupid. If you're doing drugs that are legal in other states, but not legal here, you are stuck on stupid. If you were doing drugs that a doctor gave you for pains you don't have anymore, you are stuck on stupid. How did God know this stuff before we ever showed up? How did he know? If you're abusing alcohol, if you're abusing drugs, you think you're just cool and nobody knows, God sees. And you are stuck on stupid. Let's look at another one. The Bible says that you are stuck on stupid if you get your value from your appearance. Proverbs 31, verse 30. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Amen. I am so grateful for all the inward beautiful people we have in this church. But listen. If you're using your beauty for anything, to get something, to get your value, you're stuck on stupid. If you're evaluating your worth based on how fat or thin you are, you are stuck on stupid. And if it's leading you down a path of doing stupid things, like throwing up all your meals... Like no matter how thin you get, you never think you're thin enough because you've based all of your value on how you look today. You're stuck on stupid. And it's not just women. I know the Bible kind of leans that way, but guys, guess what? Keep the gun show to yourself. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I realize some of you have a six-pack. Some of us have a keg. It's okay. We're, we just need to keep it all under wraps. All under wraps. Let's not be stuck on stupid. And I'm not saying you can't take good care of yourself. Do it. It's a temple. That's what your body is. It's not an, an advertising sign. It's a temple. Everything's for sale. Come check it out. Everything must go, go, go. You are not a billboard for sex. You are a temple. But if you will become a billboard for sex... For trying to just get all your value out of your parents, you're stuck on stupid. Here's a big one. Everybody hold your breath. The Bible says you are stuck on stupid if you sleep too much. Proverbs 6, 10 through 11. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. If you're sleeping your days away instead of taking care of business, poverty comes in such a way to your life that you can't hardly resist it. That's what an armed man does. He takes it from you. Doesn't give you a choice. It just gets taken. 
Now, he's not saying don't go to sleep, you know, work 14 and 16 hours a day. That's not what this is saying. It's saying a little more sleep, a little more slumber, you know. You spend all your time with your hands folded, <laughs> snoring your life away. If you do that, you are stuck on stupid. Let's look at this next one. The Bible says you are stuck on stupid if you have little value for education and ongoing learning. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools, everyone say fools. Everyone say fools. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1.21 How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Now I know, if you're like me, High school was the worst. We all eked by. We all did as little as we possibly could to make the grade. I get it. And you vowed as you left the graduation stage, I'll never do another lick of schooling in my life. I know you said those things. But listen, in the kingdom, we are not a kingdom of simple, ignorant people. Now, I'm not saying you have to go get your your bachelor's or your master's or your doctorate to be not ignorant. But I'm saying is this is an attitude the Bible's talking about and it says you're stupid for loving to be stupid. <laughs> you just are. You don't want to learn anything else in life. You don't want to keep growing yourself in God's goodness. You're stuck on stupid. Now, I'm not telling you you have to get a degree. I'm not saying, but some of you probably should. Go get a real job. I mean, I know we're in this culture where college is overpriced and you're not guaranteed anything, but you're in the kingdom, which means you can go get a degree and God's got a job waiting for you. You'll never know because you're stuck on stupid. I got a lot of Breaking Bad shows to watch today. I could study what Pastor Tom or Pastor Eric shared last week, but that's hard. Makes my head hurt. Well, beating your head against a wall does that a lot. It'll hurt. If you don't value education, you don't value keep on learning, you're stuck on stupid. Let's look at the next one. Bible says you're stuck on stupid If you dishonor your parents and you reject the wisdom of your father and mother, either natural or spiritual. Proverbs 15, verse 5, says a fool, everyone say fool, say a fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. See, it's a really dumb idea to dishonor your mom and dad. Whether they're alive or not, even spiritual parents who are trying to bring godly advice to your life, you're stuck on stupid if you never want it. If you just take what they say and you disregard it. I'm not saying you can't go to God and ask Him to confirm what they're telling you. But listen, you can't live a lifestyle of dishonor and disrespect for your parents, for your spiritual parents, and not be stuck on stupid. Let's check out another one. The Bible says you're stuck on stupid. If you don't save money, you have no budget, and you look for get-rich-fast opportunities. Proverbs 22, verse 7, says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. I mean, that's, 
ancient wisdom. Like these people got it way, way back then. How bad it is to be in debt. How bad it is to have a rack of credit cards that you owe on. How bad it is to go and just have a car payment, because that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, because you just can't get away from it. Bull. Stupid. (laughs) You don't have to live the rest of your life with a car payment. It doesn't have to be a part of your American dream. I don't have one. At least I didn't. For a long, 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 long time. You can get out of it if you are serious about it you think life is okay and you don't know where your money's going and you're just looking for the next big tip you know whether you're gambling with the stark stock market you know well i just I, i'm gonna make a bunch of money when i do this you're stuck on stupid let's look at another one bible says you're stuck on stupid if you don't want a job and you don't want to work. Proverbs 21, 25. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. And all day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. Now I realize there's a lot of different ways you could read that and get all you know, bound up in your little heart. But listen, I'm not, it, it, the value of doing something constructive with your life, it doesn't ever end. And you don't have to get paid for it, for it to be work, to do something good with your life. My wife's a stay-at-home mom. That's a job. That's work. And I know some of you do that. So we're not talking that if you're a stay-at-home mom, you should feel bad, you're stuck on stupid. And we're talking about those who just don't want to do anything well with their life. They don't want to work. They don't want to make an impact. They don't want to take the life that God's given them and do something constructive with it. When you live with that attitude like, yeah, I'm titled, I, you know, my parents will just give me anything I want. I just got to ask for it or complain enough about it and because it does apply to our young people i mean you're not too young to have a good work ethic in fact now when you're young when you're a teenager when you're a tweenager this is the time to figure out how to be a good worker in the world because i guarantee you if you learn a good work ethic now you will be always in money because everyone wants to hire a hard-working person All the time. All the time. Every day. You will not ever worry about having a job. If you don't want to work, you're stuck on stupid. Let's look at another one. The Bible says you are stuck on stupid if you don't want correction. You don't want help or advice. You know, if you don't know if you're here, you know, think about these statements. Have they ever come out of your mouth? You know, like, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to be a better mom. Oh, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to be a better parent. You know, don't tell me how to do my job. You know, don't, don't, don't mess me up with your personal perspective on things. Don't tell me how to be a better employee. Don't tell me how to be a better boss. Don't tell me how to be a better volunteer. Don't tell me how to be a better leader. I just can't handle it. It's, you're always so critical with your correction. No, no, you're stuck on stupid. Because stuck on stupid doesn't want to be corrected ever. I just, my feel-bads can't handle it. <laughs> Proverbs 12.1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But whoever hates correction is stupid. It's in your Bible. The word is right there. Who hates correction is stupid. This is the funnest message I've ever preached. 
I'm just saying. Uh, and it hurts, too. That's the other thing. Proverbs 12:15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man or wise woman listens to advice. Proverbs 26, 12. This, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes or a woman? There is more hope for a fool than for that person. There's more hope for stupid people than you. <laughs> don't be stuck on stupid. Friends, don't let friends be stupid. All right, let's look at the next one. The Bible says you are stuck on stupid when you talk bad about other people. Come on, let's hear it from the youth. We're going to have a revival happening today in the youth. Listen, Proverbs 10, 18 says, The one who conceals hatred has lying lips. And whoever utters slander is a fool. Proverbs 20, 19, a gossip betrays a confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. Wow, that's right there. Talking too much, always got something to say about somebody else. You know, it's not just a problem with the youth. I hear more from adults about all the problems that people are. Oh, did you pray for them? Oh, yeah, I'm praying for them. Really? Did you go help them? Mm, no. No, you said they were stuck on stupid. They didn't want advice, so I didn't try. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You know, get off. Listen. Gossip. Stuck on stupid. Slander, which means saying bad things about people to try to hurt them. Stuck on stupid. Whatever your motive, whatever your goal, whatever your thinking is, it doesn't matter. The Bible says you're full. You're stuck on stupid. Let's look at the next one. It says your Bible says you're stuck on stupid when you live in pride and you do things that seem right in your own eyes without God's counsel. Proverbs 28, 26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is what? A fool. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Pride is not your friend. Pride keeps you stupid. And if you live your life and you're just doing it all on your own, you know, my, my grand wisdom... I love talking to my teenagers, and I go, where did you come up with that idea? Well, my other friends shared that. Oh, the grand wisdom of the other 14 and 15-year-olds in the world. <laughs> They're the ones who have brought you to this brilliant place of success, is it, huh? Yeah. I love you. You're stuck on stupid. <laughs> All right, next. The Bible says you're stuck on stupid. For talking all the time, instead of listening, for constantly voicing your opinion. Everyone say, ouch. Proverbs 10, 8. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Proverbs 18, 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinion. Wow! Did you know this stuff was in here? A fool just loves to just share their thoughts on everything all the time. Don't be stuck on stupid. Just be quiet. Next, the Bible says you are stuck on stupid when you are an argumentative person. Proverbs 20, verse 3, it is an honor for a man to keep aloof from strife, meaning he stays away from the problem and the drama, or she stays away from the drama. 
But every fool dives right in. <laughs> They're like, there's drama over here. Let me be a part of it. Yay! Every fool is after quarreling, you know. I'm right, you're wrong. I need to let you know as much as possible. Well, guess what? You're stuck on stupid. One more, let's look at it. Bible says you're stuck on stupid or constantly complaining or venting all of your emotions. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Oh, I just got to get this off my chest. I just got to let everyone know how I feel about everything. Just, I'm so upset right now, and I got to let it out. I'm going to pop. Well, it's a big balloon, and it says stupid. I'm stuck. Help me. Help. Help. I have to give full vent to all of my emotions and my thoughts. Don't do it. You're stuck on stupid. Now listen. <laughs> I know after hearing this list, I, I hope that you don't get all self-righteous and start thinking about all the people who needed to see this list. <laughs> right? You know, they need to deal with some of this so they won't be stuck on stupid and my life will be better. Please, don't, don't get self-righteous. This is not the angle we're going for, all right? I hope that you, like myself, were able to find yourself in the list and realize that maybe, just maybe, I'm not succeeding in certain areas of my life like I want to because I'm stuck. I'm stupid. Maybe I can't blame all my problems on my wife or your husband or your boss or your pastor or your parents or anyone else. Maybe you just can't blame everyone else. Maybe I need to look at myself and see that my problems come from being stuck on stupid. Maybe I'm guilty of playing the part of the fool and God is trying to wise me up so I can start to prosper in my life. Amen? Amen. Now listen, here's the good news. Here's the good news. Being stuck on stupid doesn't have to be a life sentence. You just don't have to do it all the rest of your life. Every day is a brand new opportunity to leave the path of the fool and start walking the path of the wise. And we can at any moment abandon our pride in thinking that we know everything and humble ourselves and get some true wisdom. So how do we get there? Well, you may have noticed every one of these scriptures came from one specific book, the book of Proverbs, right? And it is in this book that holds the key to getting unstuck from stupid. And the book of Proverbs says that the reason we get stuck on stupid is because we lack the fear of the Lord in these areas. If you want to write something down, get, write that down. To get unstuck from stupid, I need the fear of the Lord. You see, according to the book of Proverbs, being stupid or being a fool is the absence of true knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom and understanding. Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of having knowledge, of having wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. Now, what does beginning mean? What does that look like? Well, in Proverbs 1, verse 7, the word beginning, you can go to the next slide. In Proverbs 1, 7, that word beginning is the word reshit. And that Hebrew word reshit literally means what comes first. So, if we reread uh, Proverbs 1-7 with that in mind, it would read like this. The fear of the Lord is what comes first before knowledge. The fear of the Lord is what comes first before knowledge. So, right here. The prerequisite to having true knowledge is possessing the fear of the Lord in our hearts. Now, let's look at Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. Again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So the word beginning in this verse is the word tehillah. And that word means the event that starts something. The event consisting of the start of something. So, in other words, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. It is the catalytic event that changes the course of your life. Do you understand that? It is an event. It's the thing that happens. When, when we walk in the revelation of the fear of the Lord, and it becomes this, this like glory-filled moment that sets our life on fire. It's, it's this great big aha moment, you know, when the glory light bulb goes off because, because now the fear of the Lord is your revelation. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's now, it's now a part of your operating system. It is a catalytic event that opens up the floodgates of heaven's wisdom. Knowledge, understanding, these things start to flood your life when you have the fear of the Lord. So, if we reread Proverbs 9, verse 10 again, with this in mind, it would say, and I'm going to amplify it a little bit, it says, the fear of the Lord is the catalytic event that launches a person into wisdom and understanding. So, if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that means that the fear of the Lord is that which comes before, and it is the catalytic event that launches us into true knowledge and wisdom. Isaiah chapter 33 and verse 5. Says the Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high, and he will fill Zion with his justice and righteousness. He will be the sure foundation of your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. So Isaiah. The Lord is speaking through Isaiah and is reinforcing this principle of how important the fear of the Lord is. He's saying that the fear of the Lord is the key that opens up this treasure. This treasure of salvation, of knowledge, of wisdom. Or, you know, maybe here's another way to think about it. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but... Being stuck on stupid sometimes feels like I'm in a prison. You know, sometimes I just, I feel trapped and boxed in by all the dumb decisions I make that don't consider the fear of the Lord first. 
But if I would take this key, this key of the fear of the Lord, and apply it, then the prison door gets unlocked, and I have access now to the treasures of salvation, of knowledge, and wisdom. Now, you may notice I keep saying true knowledge, true wisdom, right? Well, the reason I keep saying true is because there is a knowledge and a worldly wisdom that exists. And you do not need the fear of the Lord to get it. It's out there. Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's the way to death. Proverbs 12, 15 the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 16, 25. There is a way that seems right to a man. This one was so important, they repeated it. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. So true knowledge, true wisdom is heavenly. Everyone say that with me. Say true knowledge, true knowledge. and true wisdom is heavenly and it always say that word always it always comes through the fear of the lord yeah let's say it again say it always comes through the fear of the lord true wisdom true knowledge is heavenly and it always is going to come through the fear of the Lord. God even sets himself against worldly wisdom. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 9 says, The wise men shall be put to shame. They shall be dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom is in them? Matthew eleven twenty five. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Amen. Isaiah 29, verse 13. And the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me, and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people. With wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. Now listen, that, that line there, it says, the fear of me is a commandment taught by men. What God is indicting them for is he's saying, this should have been in your heart. But now the only reason you will fear me is because your leaders are telling you we command you to be fearful of the Lord. He's not saying don't teach on the fear of the Lord. Do you understand that? The Lord is indicting them saying this should be in your heart. You, we shouldn't have to be commanded to fear the Lord. It should be there. It should be richly in our hearts. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. <clears throat> and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. For where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, <clears throat> the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now listen, here's one of the reasons Paul had to make this statement in 1 Corinthians is because Corinth, the city Corinth, which is where this church is, 
was a Greek city. And when you lived in a Greek culture, the most important ideas came from Greek philosophy. Men spent hours and hours every day discussing ideas, culture, industry, and everything in between. In Greek culture, the human mind was the pinnacle of society. And if you didn't speak with um, using human reasoning and logic, then you were considered a fool. And so Paul, he knows exactly who he's talking to here. And he says, he says, my preaching was not filled with these worldly philosophical constructs. But Paul was preaching a message of the cross and that Jesus was the only way of salvation. And so in Corinth, this message was being rejected by the philosophers at Corinth. As they're out trying to win converts to Christ and share the gospel, philosophers are like, this is stupid. Why would I follow a man who lost his kingdom and died? He was crucified. You say he's alive? Yeah. You don't have to. It's, it's the wisdom of God. No, no, you're stupid. And Paul had this problem was going on at the Corinth church. So Paul had to dispute this. He had to, he had to dispute why this worldly wisdom was inferior to the wisdom of God. And you realize, if you think about it just about a second, nothing's changed for us today. We still live in a Greek-thinking culture. We still live in a Greek-thinking culture that elevates the human mind and thoughts above the Word of God. I mean, that is the very definition of being stuck on stupid. Though, you know, the world would say that we, the church, are stuck on stupid for not becoming progressive. You know, we're stuck on stupid in our thinking, you know, and we're for not abandoning, you know, these ancient ways, these ancient wisdom, this ancient revelation. Our culture does not have the fear of the Lord. Our culture does not have the fear of the Lord as the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. The world says we're the fools. We're irrelevant. We're antiquated. But the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the thing that comes before and it is the catalytic event that precedes having true knowledge and true wisdom. Can someone say amen? Now listen, I am not saying, here, here, we, here again, what I'm not saying. I am not saying it because I've already covered this earlier. But I'm saying it again. I'm not saying that education is bad and that you shouldn't learn about anything that's not in the Bible. Okay? We're not going crazy. We're not going to get weird. I mean, seriously, you can learn how to change a light bulb and not have to wonder if this person has God in their life or not. You can just learn, you know? You don't need the fear of the Lord as a filter to learn about how to change your oil. You, you know... And so, so my point is that there are a lot of tasks in life that are amoral, okay? That meaning they're not good, they're not bad. It's just they are. And therefore, they have no eternal consequence, okay? I'm trying to help you figure this out. If it's amoral, it doesn't have an eternal consequence. If I change my oil or I pay for it to change, who cares? If I know how to turn a light bulb and I don't, it doesn't, there's nothing eternal about that. It doesn't have eternal consequences. So, so we can learn many things, again, mostly task-oriented things, and you don't have to filter it through the fear of the Lord. Is everybody clear on that? But <laughs> there are tons of issues in life that have eternal consequences. They have eternal consequences, and they do require the fear of the Lord to have true knowledge and wisdom. 
See, there are being things taught right now in our schools and at our universities that have terrible, terrible eternal consequences. And if you do not have the fear of the Lord first, then you will become stuck on stupid on some major issues in life that affect you, that affect me, that affect our whole culture. So there are a lot of tasks in life that they don't require the fear of the Lord, but just about everything else needs the fear of the Lord to come first before we can make a knowledgeable, wise decision. For instance, you don't necessarily need the fear of the Lord to decide what day you're going to get married on or what you're going to even wear. You don't really need the fear of the Lord. Without question, though, you need the fear of the Lord in deciding who, whom you will be spending the rest of your life with. Eternal consequences on that one decision. That one decision. You don't need the fear of the Lord to know how to flip a burger or use a computer. But you do have to have the fear of the Lord when it comes to what kind of employee you will be. You need the fear of the Lord to know what you're going to do with that computer. If you own a business, you absolutely need the fear of the Lord to inform you on how to treat your employees. How to run your business with integrity and how you treat your customers. You've got to have the fear of the Lord. I mean, what kind of reputation you will have, the kind of reputa reputation you will have will be determined by how you do things with the fear of the Lord. How you raise your kids must be done with the fear of the Lord, not the fear of man, you know, not the fear of your kids. If I do this, it'll hurt their feelings. Man, you're stuck on stupid. Well, mine, my child's just an indigo child. They're just special and, yeah. and progressive, and they, don't, they just don't do well with discipline. <laughs> they just, I just process them different. We, we talk it out. Your two-year-old talks it out with you. Yeah. Wow, they are progressive. <laughs> they might be genius-level child. I would like to talk to your two-year-old. How you manage your money has to be done with the fear of the Lord. How you treat your friends and your brothers and your sisters and your parents has to be with the fear of the Lord. And listen, for far too long, the godless culture that we live in, the godless culture of the world has been the source of all of our knowledge and wisdom. And it's infecting the church. We have to be careful. We need to be careful from whom we get our knowledge and wisdom and advice from. There are lots of motivational speakers out there, books, videos, podcasts, websites that all claim they have wisdom that doesn't, but it doesn't come first from the Lord. It doesn't first consider the fear of the Lord before they start spewing out their knowledge and their wisdom. When you take someone's advice or counsel, whether it's in person or it's online, you must ask yourself this question. Does this person fear the Lord? If you can't answer wholeheartedly yes, then you better take their advice and wisdom with a grain of salt. You better take it with a lot of caution. 
you know, now, sadly, we have entire churches and denominations that are walking away from the fear of the Lord. And therefore, they are leaving behind now godly knowledge and wisdom. They're leaving it behind. There are churches and denominations that are embracing humanistic philosophy and wisdom. And with it, they are changing the word of God to fit their human wisdom. And we, as the church, for the most part, we have lost what the first century church had. Acts verse, chapter 9 and verse 31 says, The church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord. Say that with me. Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Hmm. I'm not that great at math, but it seems like fear of the Lord, comfort of the Holy Spirit, multiplied. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. <clears throat> says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. fear of the Lord it has to return to the church <coughs> the fear of the Lord must return to our churches and if it's going to reach our churches the, re the way that it does that is it reaches your heart first you're the church you either bring in your worldly wisdom, you're stuck on stupid, or you're bringing with you the fear of God. And you're making your decisions with that filter. Otherwise, we're going to continue to be something to be laughed at, something to be disregarded in this culture. Our hearts and minds have to be filled with the fear of God so that the culture and, and the status of the church changes. You are affecting it whether you like it or not. Every one of us in this room, every person who says they're a Christian in this city and they're living out there, their life, whether it's with the fear of the Lord or none, you are affecting things for the church. Eric shared last week a whole bunch of benefits about the fear of the Lord. Today, I showed us how to get unstuck from stupid. So this week, your homework. Your homework this week, and I encourage you to write it down, is to think and pray on how much fear, how much the fear of God rules your life and your decisions. I mean, seriously, you need to think about it. I need to think about it. If you want to take a picture of the screen so you don't have to write things down, go for it. Listen, your homework is to think and talk to God about this question. Don't do it without the Spirit of God. Don't try to answer this question based on your own brilliant uh, thoughts about yourself. Ask people around you. Ask your friends. Ask anyone. Say, hey, do you, do you see the fear of God in my life? Do, you, do I live my life with the fear of the Lord? What do you, what do you think? I'm, I'm honestly asking 
Tell, don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what you see. Do you see me making decisions at school or at work, at home, that prove that I have the fear of the Lord in my life? And then also this week, when you are out on the web, and you will be, and you're watching a video, you're listening to a podcast, you're getting a teaching, you're surfing YouTube, whatever, ask yourself these questions. Does this information come from and through the fear of the Lord? And then when you think about the things you're going to do this week, what kind of employee am I going to be? What kind of employer am I going to be? What kind of mom am I going to be? What kind of dad or daughter or son? Whatever you're getting ready to do or say, ask yourself, is what I'm about to do going to demonstrate that I am a God-fearing person? Ask yourself these questions. Be honest and let the fear of God consume your life.